So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 3. I have a, um, some scripture for you. Maybe not as much scripture as usual because I have so much on my heart that I wanted to share with you. This is like three sermons in one. If you ever heard my dad tell the story of his day in Bible college, his first chance to preach a sermon, he ended his sermon. And the homiletics teacher said, Pastor Mark, I said one sermon, not five sermons in one. But anyway, this is going to be one of those days where I'm going to talk fast. I know I'm already a fast talker. So turn to your neighbor or your spouse and say, buckle up. All right. Today is about marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. You know that's awesome. I actually watched Princess Bride a few months ago, and my kids were like, that rat is huge. I was like, just think Chuck E. Cheese. No, I didn't say that. But uh, Have you guys ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, by the way? Oh, it's a horrible idea. Eden was scared out of her mind. She's like, it was a giant rat. It was awful. Anyway, parenting fails. That was last week. Today is about marriage fails. Marriage fails. No, it's about marriage succeeding. Amen? No, but so much of the advice is, is timeless, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, I, was, I was struggling with, like, man, how do, you know, how do I repackage all of these scriptural truths that some of you already know, but let's be honest, many of us forget. Um, and I, I was reminded of something my dad always said. So he always said, when speaking of marriage, that your spouse is God's gift to you. So everybody say gift. All right, so I made an acronym for gift. Are you ready? We're going to read this all together. Everybody say gift. All right, so let's read this together. God is at the center. I need you. Interdependence. FaceTime and time together. All right? Who's ready? Are you ready? All right, let's pray. Father, uh, I know we already prayed for the offering, but I need help today. And so, Lord, I ask you to speak to us and open our hearts, Lord. If, we're, if there's ways that we can uh, love our spouse uh, better, Lord, teach us. Our hearts are open. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 So before we jump into the sermon, I thought I would give you a couple pictures so you meet my family. I know I put up a couple of these last week. That is our awesome family. That's my beautiful wife, uh, Danielle. There's the whole family. Now, I was looking through some pictures to, uh, to put up on the screen, and I found this awesome little one. This, this is actually Danielle at age six. Now, what you have to understand, if you are in my family, you have seen Eva's crazy faces. I discovered where they came from. I was going through old photos, and I was like, that's the, e the Eva crazy face right there. She's just perpetually just confused and cute all at once, you know, just, just like that. And so now I know she got that from Danielle. All right, so now we often look like sometimes like our family. So this is Eva, and that's Danielle as a little girl. Isn't that crazy? How much they look like. And then the next one, it's a little scary, but this is me and, Dan, me and Selah. We look a little bit alike, just a little bit. <laughs> all right, let's get that off the screen. Hallelujah. Uh, and then this is all four of my princesses. They are awesome. We go to this little cabin uh, for, for pastors every year. We go up there and we go s sled riding. <laughs> I have a couple funny stories of parenting failures right there. The guy sledding next to us was like, you should go to the other side. You know, and it sounded like Jesus, you know, let's go to the other side. So I took his advice, and it was three times the size of the hill. They wiped out. It was awesome. But, uh, but it was good. All right, let's review the big thing that we said last week. In all of these relationships, 
This person is the gift, and we treat them with honor. And so what are these relationships we're going through this month? Husbands and wives, right? Marriage, as we're doing today. Parents and children, we actually covered last week because I switched them up for no apparent reason. Governments and citizens, and then pastors and congregation. So I'm just excited about seeing you guys and myself grow and our understanding of how relationships work, like what the Bible actually says. How many, say, how many say it's a good idea to see what the Bible says about the most important relationships in our lives? Amen? So I'm glad you're with me on that. So let's start with the first one. God is at the center. And again, if you are the head of your home, right, if you are the, the male in the relationship, then your role is servant leadership. It's not to lord over them. It's to serve them. Even though you're in charge, doesn't mean you lord over them or boss them around. We'll come back to that. And then if you are the woman in the relationship, there's something that's mentioned throughout the Bible. We'll give you some text today called joyful submission, right? So, again, doesn't mean you're a doormat. It just means you can't have two uh, people in charge because that's, I don't know if you've ever worked for, maybe, a, maybe some of you work for a company where there's two people in charge. It's not, not, not good, right? So God gives this, this context where what we see is servant leadership, joyful uh, submission. So let's start with this. God at the center. God at the center. Now, again, I'm going to talk fast today. So if you're taking notes, write fast because we're going to try to cover a lot of ground. Men, I want to encourage you to pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. At times, even if your schedules work together, I know a lot of us are kind of a dual uh, income families now. It's just the culture of America. And so maybe you miss each other in the morning. Uh, but maybe do, you know, often me and Danielle will end up reading at the same time on a Saturday, right? Because we're both off or, or just if there's time when you can read together, block off that time for just you two to read together, to pray together, and to go into worship together. One of the best things you can do, think about the last time we had a worship night, right? So men, you're the leader of the house. I want to ask you, have you invited your wife to join you at the worship night? There's a worship night coming up, right? Every eight weeks we have a worship night. Men, take spiritual leadership of your home and bring them to a worship night. Amen? Men, take spiritual leadership of your home and pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse, Put Jesus at the center. Put Jesus at the center. I've actually noticed a pattern over the years, and in particular the last three years, in talking with couples. Uh, there's a pattern I've seen almost every single time, which is this. Often, there's not a daily discipline of knowing the word every time. It's 99% of the time. Wives, so if you, if you just come to church and you say, I'm just going to come see what pastor says, and yes, I prepare, yes, I study hard to present the word of God to you, but can I tell you something? You need more than my 40 minutes on a Sunday. You need every day with God at the center. And I hope you're hearing me, because if you miss that, you could take all the advice in the world. It's, it's not going to work. God at the center. Amen. And that means God is first in your day. First in your day. All right? Um, one of the things I wanted to, you know, have you guys think through is this idea of presence. I was rereading uh, A.W. Tozer this week, and I thought, man, a lot of the early writers always valued presence. 
You think about that, the presence of God. Not just the do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, but the presence of God. So I want to ask you, are you inviting the presence of God into your home? Right? Because you can invite the presence of God into your home. Right? You can verbally invite the presence of God into your home. You can invite the presence of God by putting worship music. Right? Open up iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you use, and just play worship music. I love what Will says all the time. Make your home a house of worship. Make your home a house of worship, and you watch. If some of you are saying, I keep fighting with my spouse, and I don't know why, make your home a house of worship. You say, well, what does that have to do? Make your home a house of worship, and watch, you'll stop fighting. Amen? All right. We're going to go fast. Here we go. Number two, I need you, or interdependence. Right? I was rereading Gary Thomas's book uh, four weeks ago called Sacred Marriage, preparing for some premarital counseling with this great young couple that's getting married. And we were going through this together, and one of the uh, preeminent ideas that kind of goes through his book is this idea of I need you and you need me, that God uses you to make me holy. Right? I quoted him last week. I want to say it again. Maybe God is going to use your spouse not to make you happy, but to make you holy. Yes, he makes you happy through your, you know, through your spouse, but that's not his main goal because guess what? The two become one, and his goal is your heart. He wants you to know him, and God's going to use your spouse to make you more holy. And how many can testify sometimes to test you? Okay, all right. We'll go there in a minute. All right, everybody just turn to your spouse right now and just say, I forgive you for anything that you laugh at, anything that we discuss, I forgive you. Yeah, that was good. I won't stare at you, Paul and Kelly, not at all. She's like, I don't forgive you. She's just shaking her head. Okay, turn to Colossians 3. Turn to Colossians 3. If you got it, say got it. Wow, well, that's because it's on the screen. You cheated. I saw you. You just went, got it. All right, I love the sound of the pages turning. It's awesome. Although, have you ever met the, the crazy turner? Have you ever sat behind? You know, pastors like Psalms. I'm like, middle. It's in the middle. That's all right. Just kidding. Okay, here we go. Colossians 3. Are you ready? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, this is the passage that I go to often when I'm writing a, uh, a wedding uh, ceremony. So guys, guys, you might have a friend you might have a friend that demands his wife do this and do that and bosses her around and talks down to her and it's kind of cruel. And, and he thinks he's Lord over her. You are different. You're a Christian. You're in the kingdom of God. You are the servant leader who's going to follow Jesus' example. Know how I'm not, notice how I'm not asking you. <laughs> I'm telling you who you are because you are different. Right? Turn to all the men. Turn to another man, another man, right, another brother, and say, you're different. You're not going to, yeah, especially if you got a son. If you got a son, it's beautiful. You're different. You're not going to treat them the way the world might treat them. Amen? 
You are in Christ Jesus, therefore you love her, Paul said, as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He protected her. He cherished her. He sacrificed himself for her. Amen? Ladies, you might have a friend that always talks down to her husband, tries her best to make him look stupid, but you are different. You're not going to do that. Your marriage is not only going to thrive or survive, it's going to thrive. Because you're going to learn what the Bible says about respecting your husband. And your marriage is going to work. This is how relationships work. Now, some of you might see scriptures today and say, well, that's not what society says. That's not what my dad taught me. I don't know about that. I can tell you, my dad and mom have counseled thousands, right? It probably is not, an, probably not an exaggeration to say thousands, Right? We've talked through these things. He's read probably 100 books on this stuff. And he said, these are your best five. Right? We've read, we've studied, and then you, you read these books like His Needs, Her Needs. In fact, if you've got a pen, I want to give you three books, three books to write down. Love and Respect, excellent, probably my favorite. Story of Marriage by Bevere. Story of Marriage by Bevere. All right? And Sacred Marriage by uh, Gary Thomas, Sacred Marriage. But there's all kinds of great books. But those, those are my three top favorites. Um, if, you, if you say, you know what? My marriage matters, right? If this is the most important relationship in my life, I just want to ask you, are you investing in it? Right? Because you always invest in what you uh, value. So invest some time, invest some energy in reading and learning how to make your marriage stronger. So first, put on compassion. Compassion means a heart of pity. Compassion is that inner attitude you have towards one another. You must realize in this idea of interdependence, I need you and you need me. Guys, I had to do, listen, there was a, a moment this weekend that was so, it was so difficult to see close friends of ours uh, lost an infant, okay, that they were fostering. And I got to tell you something, when I was driving home, I was thinking, you know the person that's the most strong for them, support? Their spouse, Right? When they get home and everybody else is gone, it's my, it's my husband, it's my wife, right? You need each other. When you show compassion, you show co-passion, unity. The two have become one. The two have become one. So when you feel what she feels and he feels what you feel, then suddenly you, the two have become one, and you're there to strengthen one another in the hardest times. That's one of the most beautiful things about marriage is you're there to strengthen one another in the hard times. And how many know there are going to be hard times? Right? Men, you must put on interdependence, this idea of compassion, right, that I'm there to support her. You're going to face hard times, and together you will get through it. On top of compassion, put on kindness. Kindness, right? Kindness can be in short supply in marriages. Why? Turns out your spouse has some quirks. Come on, somebody. Don't say amen to that, Stephanie. Ryan, does your spouse have some quirks? Tim, does your spouse have some quirks? Okay, how, do you have some quirks? Raise your hand if you got some quirks. Okay, good, good. I'm going to list 50 quirks of my wife. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Let me be clear. To be kind means that you're willing to serve your spouse despite their quirks. 
You know what I'm saying? Despite if they put the toilet paper on backwards or, like in my case, if they never replenish it. But I won't talk about that. It's fine. It's fine. We'll talk about that. Every marriage, I know it's my kids actually, but every marriage, you know, there's things you're going to face. There's going to be a little battle that sometimes becomes a big battle. All right? And, and I wanted you guys to keep getting to know Dave and Michelle. So I asked them, I said, hey, I want you to go on video and tell the entire church something you fight about all the time, right? He's like, I don't know if I want to be honest. I'm like, well, welcome to Rock of Grace because we value honesty. I said joyful submission. No, I didn't say that. Okay, so I want you to watch this video, uh, Pastor Dave. Hey, Rock of Grace, this is Pastor Dave and Michelle, and we're just going to share with you one of those things that just as a couple always causes an issue. Well, it doesn't cause an issue anymore. It just did for us. <laughs> Vacuuming. Vacuuming. It's the one chore that we both hate. I hated doing it. I hated doing it. And boy, did we need to do it. See, we have a dog, we have a cat, and both of them shed like that is their main goal in life. And when you're walking around the house, there was no way to avoid pet hair sticking to our feet. Because our entire house was hardwood floor at the time. And we love our pets, we loved our floors, but we did not love our feet having basically socks, even if we weren't wearing socks. Just because of how much pet hair there was, it was really bad. It was and kind of embarrassing. It started one of those those endless arguments. You know, one day you just bicker, the next day you bicker, and just continues over and over and over again. Because each of us wanted the other person to sleep every day. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but like all problems in marriage, there has to be a solution. Mm -hmm. We talked about it. Um, this one we didn't really pray about. It was just, I think the <laughs> Lord provided this was the a, answer. This was a whim. <laughs> and we decided to add to our family. Now, that's not the next normal direction, but no. we added George. George. Who's George? <laughs> our Roomba. Our Roomba. <laughs> we say our Roomba is a marriage saver. It really is. It really, really he is. Really if something were to happen to George, we, we would have George II pretty the quickly. Pretty quickly. We day. would We wouldn't move on, but we would remember and never forget. So <laughs> this is just to say, no matter who you are, no matter what's going on in your life, there's always those silly, ridiculous arguments and even the more serious ones. But there's always a way that you can work through them. Sometimes it's very practical. Other times it's going to take a different amount of work towards it. But the truth is that this is how relationships work. I don't know how he got away with that, you know, because if you, but if you know Pastor Dave, you realize he systematized the problem, right? And so, anyway, um, there's going to be times when you fight over little things. How many of you married, just don't shout it at me, don't shout it at me, okay? But just nod your head, just give me a little Baptist nod, just a little nod, right? Any, anybody? Okay, you got these little issues for, for us. At first, it was dishes. I like to do dishes later, after we sit down. And that became not a five-day, not a five-week, but a five-year fight. Come on, somebody. Did you know your pastor's not perfect? Does anybody know that? I had to. Don't say amen. That's the third time, Stephanie. I'm getting you in trouble later. You are going to be part of my illustration. I'm just calling you out right now. All right. Compromise. She always amens at the wrong time. I'm like, your pastor's messed up. She's like, ain't that true? 
Okay. Anyway, Colossians, that's a wrong time. Colossians 3. I want to tell you about compromise, right? The C word. The C word. Compromise. You have any relationship that is going to last is going to involve compromise. This is true at your workplace. This is true in a church. Turns out you will never find a perfect church. Everybody, oh, no. Yes, you will not find a perfect church. You will not find a perfect workplace. You will not find a perfect marriage. And you have to learn what the Bible talks about with humility and kindness to learn to compromise, not to get what you demand, but to let someone else get what maybe they prefer. Now, another thing that he says is then to clothe yourselves in humility. I've got a story with you about my marriage where I, I God gave me the, a unique opportunity to show humility. And then God gave Danielle a unique opportunity to be forgiving. All right? All right. So early on, we took a trip to North Carolina. How many know that's a long drive? Right? That's a long drive. Like any good wife, my wife, right, she's like, I'll be your co-pilot. Now I'm thinking, like, you know, she's going to be awake, uh, conscious, talk to me, keep me awake. Nope. She gets in the car. She just reclines, right, full, like, drooling, the whole mouth, the whole thing. She sleeps. She still thinks our trips to Chicago take one hour. Every time I get in the car, I'm like, my eyes are bloodshot. She's like, she wakes up. Oh, we're there? That was so fast. I guess because you just slept for eight hours. Anyway, early on, I learned this. I didn't know this. You know, you don't know these things until you get married. Right? How many of y'all, like, you thought your spouse was perfect? Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, then you get married, right? And you're like, man, she's the worst co-pilot ever because she was out like a light. Problem is... I'm a horrible sense of direction. How many of you know me well enough? You've known me more than a few years. You know. You know, okay? Listen, horrible sense of direction. I was actually at a cabin with my girls a couple weeks ago. We played hide and seek. Guys, Eva ran in the room I was hiding behind, and I ran the wrong way into the janitor closet. That's how bad. Within 30 seconds, I, I was lost in a room with three rooms, in a building with three rooms. I have a horrible sense of direction. All right, so... I pull into a rest stop, right? We already drove a long way. Pulled into a rest stop. Danielle's like, whoa, wow, this ride's going so good. She wakey, wakey, you know? And I said, hey, I got to pee. All right, let's both let's go to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom. We come back out. She doesn't give it a second thought. She goes full NyQuil mode again, you know, just. I pull out. I turn left instead of right. I drove two hours back north. I was testing her patience, Tim, right? Two hours later, she wakes up. She's like, I thought the Rocky Mountains are a little rockier than this. No, she didn't say that. But she's like, where are we? And she saw this sign, and I was like, we are driving to North Carolina. And she realized I went the wrong way. Now, that's when, of course, like a loving pastor and a quality Christian man I said, well, if you would keep awake, it's your fault. You're the one. She's like Sacagawea, you guys. You could spin her around the woods. And she's like, north is this way. She, she's, she's so good. I don't know how she does it. It's some sort of sixth sense. It's crazy. All right, so all kinds of times when we have a chance, when we have a chance, an opportunity to show kindness and forgiveness, right? Kindness and forgiveness. How many know what I'm talking about? 
Gentleness is another garment, he says, to be gentle. I want to tell you another story. This one I did not get permission on. <laughs> Where are you at, baby? I'm just not even going to look at you. Okay. How many of you spouses have ever had to be, uh, you know, patient and gentle when everything inside of you <laughs> was not thinking that? Right? I remember this one day. Tammy, not so high with your hand. So she's like, <laughs> okay. Guys, I was driving home from church. I was having a pleasant day, okay? Good time. I get to the stoplight in Cortland, the first stoplight in Cortland. I'm just minding my own business, right? Danielle's driving her car behind me. I'm driving my car. I'm at the stoplight. Boom! I get rear-ended. I was like, first of all, whiplash, my neck, okay, starting to throb. I look in the rearview mirror, and she's going, oh. What the heck is that? This is not cute. Like, I get out of the bumpers. I said, babe, whose insurance do we even call? Your insurance is my insurance. Like, you know, everything inside of me is like wanting to shout, and I'm going. And every time I wanted to say something, the Holy Spirit's like, don't say it. I'll see you at home. I just got back in my car. She's like, oh. Just thought it was so cute. It's still not cute. All right. That's what happened. It's a true story. I got about 100 of those. But for the sake of time, I will proceed. All right. Another gentle or another garment is forgiveness, right? So I had to learn to forgive her, right? No. Um, we have to learn to forgive one another, right? So compassion is the inner garment. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. These are the active wear. Right? The shirt and socks, that's, that makes, and then love is the overcoat. Because he says, on top of all these things, put on love. Because love is not merely an emotion. Right? Yes, we all feel that. Oh, we fall in love. You feel, you know, you fall in love. But there's going to be times when you choose to love. You choose to put them first. Amen? Because that's what love does. That's how relationships work. These clothes Paul defines are not always going to be natural. You have to choose to put God at the center. And when you choose to put God at the center, hear me, suddenly you will supernaturally become that man that you want to become. Right? Because some of you men say, oh, man, I've always had a temper. You won't always have a temper. You put God at the, per at the center, and suddenly you will supernaturally become gentle. All right? Women, you say, well, I've always had this problem, always had that problem. And, you know, my mom was like that, so I'm like that. No, no. God can supernaturally make you the woman, right, that you want to be, right, and, that, and that, uh, that your husband desires. All right, let's go to number three, FaceTime. FaceTime. Now, this is clearly a pun. I don't know if you realize that. This is a pun. All right. FaceTime. The reason I say this is it actually breaks my heart. Me and Danielle notice it every time without fail. We go on a date night. You look around. Where's everybody else at that restaurant? Guys, I've seen so many times husbands and wives are out to eat. Listen, this is some of the most basic, simple advice you will ever get. But you got to hear me, right? 
put the phone down. That's how you love your spouse. You say, no, it's not, that doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. She'll say it doesn't matter. And then a year from now, there's going to be big trouble. Why? Because there's little moments where she kept getting ignored. He says he doesn't care, but trust me, if every, if every single day, right, and they're trying to talk to you, right, because, listen, you got to be willing to put that, that phone on airplane mode, right, or, or off, and you just have face-to-face. You have to have it. And, by the way, this is not just true in marriage because I want to tell you this is an easy very easy. Guys, there's already been all kinds of studies done about how addictive it is and that it literally triggers the same endorphins, the same thing in your mind as a hit of drugs. For many people, right? I would say for all people, but different personalities are wired different ways. We're all wired differently. So for a lot of us, you can, if you're not careful, you're scrolling for an hour while your spouse is being ignored. Are you guys willing to receive a little truth and love this morning? Is you guys okay? I love you enough to tell you that you need some FaceTime with your spouse. Amen? FaceTime. FaceTime is also about honesty. One of the things that you see uh, in the two of the books that I mentioned earlier is the author will say that often a marriage will, will crumble and fall apart and suddenly there's, there's filing for divorce when somebody in the relationship, if not both, has not been honest, has not been, has not been willing to say, you know, when you do this or when you say that or when you, you know, go stare at the phone from every, every night, 7 to 8 p.m. or 7 to 9 p.m., whatever, and you don't say these things, then suddenly you just one day you implode, right? We don't want to do that. We want to be honest with one another and have FaceTime and face-to-face, -face, over dinner, after dinner, when you get the kids to bed or whatever, FaceTime, right? And, and say some of these things. Hey, hey, honey, can I tell you about my day at work? Hey, can I tell you what was so frustrating? Or can I, can I tell you something that can you help me with this? And be honest with them. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to go be honest with a friend. Trying to give you a lot of good advice in one little sermon, so I hope you hear me. You don't want to be honest and just go, go, just go tell a friend. No, you want to tell your spouse. You want to be real with them. They are to be your best friend, your, your number one support, your number one fan, right? And you just make that, make that clear. Honey, I, I am your number one fan. I am your best friend. You ever need to talk, I'm here for you, right? Now, women, you do need to understand. A lot of men do communicate like this. Uh-huh. That's how we roll a lot of times. So you have to understand that's, that, that, is, that is level three of communication, right, for a lot of us men. But I do want to challenge you men, though, to take the time, take the time with the TV off, with the TV off, I'm going to say it one more time, with the TV off to communicate, right? You also need time together. Here's the last one, time together. Everybody say gift. All right, let's all read the screen because I really want this to stick in your mind. Here we go. God is at the center. I need you, FaceTime, time together, time together. All right, now we're going to only hit this one for just two minutes because then we're going to go into a little bit of what our kids are facing uh, with, with sexuality and sexual identity in a little bit. All right, so time together. Listen, men and women, you've got to have time together. Now, men, 
when given polls over the years, will always say at the very top of their needs is recreational time together. Right? So they may not say quality time is my love language. They may not look at you and be like, you know, honey, I was reading the five love languages. They may not do that. They might not. Okay? But I'll tell you, when given a poll, when given a survey, they all will say recreational time together. So today, right, this weekend, I want you to think through something fun that you can do together to strengthen your marriage. Because, again, how many of you, if you're married, right, you want your marriage to last and to be healthy? Yes. So find something you can take some time together. Now, when it comes to time together, there's also this thing called physical touch, right? Now, we're going to go there. Here we go. I got I was trying to look up, you know, a couple, you know, th- this story. I was like, okay, how do I say this without me saying it? And I thought this was pretty good. It's pretty good. On a classic TV show, the announcer or the guys separated the husband and the wife. And he asked the, the wife, how often do you have sex? And the woman said, plenty of sex, three times a week actually. And then her husband was asked, how often do you have sex? And he said, three times a week, hardly ever. Right? <laughs> Why? Everybody sees things differently. Now, you do have to understand that that trend of, you know, men needing more or wanting more sex has actually been changing over the last few years. Different studies have, have shown in counseling appointments that there's, there's often the roles are getting reversed, but it doesn't matter. The point is you need to be sensitive to what your spouse says, this is how I receive love or, or affection. Now, men, you need to understand something that is going to be totally news to you. Are you ready for this? It's called non-sexual touch. I know. Some of you are like, that's the thing. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, I know a lot of you men, I know, your elbow touches her elbow, and you're like, she's ready. Bro, I'm telling you right now, she ain't ready. I'm just telling you right now, okay? You need to be a little more sensitive. You need to slow down and learn about non-sexual touch. I'm trying to be real with you, all right? You guys okay? All right. I'm trying to be real with you. All right. She is your gift, and he is your gift, and you need to love them. I have so many other things, but I'm not going to say. It's hard because you want to protect the pulpit, but you also want to be real and, like, give you actually. Okay, anyway, you need to be sensitive to what your wife or your spouse needs and how they receive love, right? Now, some of you, you say, like, man, this is how I receive love, going for a walk, Right? And some of you are like, I don't want to go for a walk. If she wants to go for a walk, go for a walk. Go for a walk. If she expresses, this is how I want to be treated in that way. This is how I receive love. You need to be listening. To love is always to listen. Listen to what the other person is saying. Amen? All right. So I was talking fast so that I can get to this last 10 minutes. We're going to talk for just a minute about holy sexuality. Because our teens are facing something. You know, when I was writing in, in December, what would we go through in January, February, March, and April? I was asking God, God, what do you want us to talk about for the next four months? And when I, when I, when I felt like I, he said, hey, just a whole, a whole series on relationships, we could honestly spend four weeks 
just on this topic, all right? But we're just going to take a little bit of time today. I want to give you a couple things. Number one, sex outside of God's design leaves only pain in your heart and mind, all right? Now, I did a rhyme on purpose to help it stick in there, right? Sex outside of God's design leaves only pain in your heart and mind. Sex is a gift from God meant to bless you in marriage. Gender is not fluid. Now, there's a hundred things we could say today that are important, but I've tried to whittle it down to three. So if you're a young person, if you're a parent, you need to be communicating this to your teenage children. Trust me, they're hearing about it anyway. It's your job, parents, I hope you hear me, it's your job to present the truth in love to them. Says they're going to be hit with a lot of things that are just straight up not true. And guess what? They're hit all the time with this idea of gender being fluid. All the time. Guys, it's, ev it's every company, right? It's Old Navy. It's Paramount. It's Chipotle. It doesn't matter. All of these companies are buying in to what they're calling tolerance and love. And in the name of love, they're advocating sin. And I want you to be careful what you value. Be careful what you celebrate. Be careful what you don't address or do address in your home. Now, I want to illustrate this very first point, and I'm going to do something I did for the teenagers back when I was a youth pastor, because how many know some things are like, they just, still, they just still make sense, whether you're 12 years old or whether you're 42 years old. So I need a volunteer. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm getting you back. I'm getting you back. You've been voluntold. All right, Dennis, thank you for volunteering. Dennis, thanks for volunteering. Give them a hand as they volunteer. All right, you can come down here. You can come down here. All right, here's what we got. We got a couple things here. Now, God gave me this illustration, and I hope it makes sense to you, but this is going to be a very simple, very simple exercise, all right? So, Dennis, I need you to go down here. Thank, give one more time to Dennis. You just, he just totally walked by me. Did anybody else see that? How? <laughs> okay. Here we go. So what I need you to do, all right, we're just going to do a little golfing. You know what I'm saying? Just do a little bit of golfing. All right. And you're going to, I just need you to golf this orange ball. You know, no problem. I just need you to golf that right into the, the green here. All right. That's the green. Okay. Now, we just want to see how athletic you are right now. And we would like you to golf. Go for it. That's, that's the hole. There's this golf ball. Wow, that's awful. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Now, I also need to illustrate this for just a minute. I need you to just golf. I just need you to golf that. Yeah, right down there. It should be pretty easy, Stephanie. There's no problem here. I mean, this is, wow. All right, now you're just angry, all right? All right, that's called a temper. We had that in point number three. No, I'm kidding. All right. Now, what I need you to do this time, now this could get dangerous. But I learned from the best, my dad's illustrations. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, here we go. What? No, not with a golf club. You're going to swing this. No, I'm kidding. That's not, you're going to swing that. Okay, so you're going to come over here. Just step out just a little bit. Now, he's going to pitch you this ball. Now, everybody here needs to be uh, worried. <laughs> I was going to say careful. Uh, the better word is worried. So I'm going to get out of the way. And I need you to, you know, play some baseball. All right, this is scary. Ah, okay, didn't work. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. You can set it down. Step away from the golf club and no one gets hurt. <laughs> All right, why? Why were they frustrated? Why didn't it work? You're trying to use something outside its design. 
Sex outside its design will only leave you with pain in your heart and mind. When you try to use something outside of its design, guess what? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So you've got to say, okay, well, wait a minute. What's, what's sex outside of God's design? Sex outside of marriage, right? Pornography is adultery, right? Uh, premarital sex is adultery. It's outside of God's design, right? Jesus stated it very clearly. I don't have the time to go into all these verses, but listen to me now. Pornography, let's just go there for one second. Billion-dollar industry, right? And, and it preys on young women. And, and listen, men and women, when you allow yourself to go somewhere in your mind, right? Remember what we said two months ago. Your thoughts become your actions. Your actions form your habits and determine who you are. So God wants to renew your mind. And God wants you to protect your eyes and your mind. I love what Solomon said, may the wife of your youth only bring you that pleasure, right? So sex outside of God's design leaves only pain in your heart and mind. And just like our illustration, it doesn't work why it's outside of the design. The only sexual life a a Christian spouse can legitimately enjoy is the romantic life a spouse chooses to provide. And that's by Gary Thomas, again, uh, in that book, Sacred, (coughs) Sacred Marriage. And listen, there is such a message uh, given to our young people. I want you to hear me that you have to be aware of what your young people are facing all the time. All the time, they're being taught this idea of gender being fluid, of exploring their uh, sexuality. Why? Satan has an agenda to confuse you to confuse our youth, to get them to question their identity at a young age. And if I could come back to a a core principle that I've shared in many sermons here, is that Satan is mad at God. Satan got kicked out of heaven. How does Satan get back at God? By getting at his kids, right? So he wants to confuse you or your kids, your nieces, your nephews, right? What they don't tell you, what's, what makes me so angry about the LGBTQ community and everybody and the ACLU, all these organizations who are pushing an agenda and obligating, sometimes uh, forcing, if you will, movies and companies and, and even Hallmark. I mean, great companies to compromise in this area. It's in the name of tolerance. What they won't tell you is someone who, who does that 800% chance higher of attempted suicide. Let me say that again. 800% chance higher. Why? The Bible's clear. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So I hope you're hearing me online today or if you're in the room. Satan's role, his goal in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill and steal your marriage before it ever happens. He wants to rob your mind. And you've got to guard your mind, take the Bible seriously, and see what the Bible says, right? Go to Ephesians 5. Read what it says. Go to Ephesians 5 with your kids and read what it says. That no homosexuality, just like greed, just like lying, none of that will enter heaven. Now, ironically, it was crazy because my wife didn't know I was preaching on this. And she was showing me this video last night of this artist named Grace. 
And this is a great way to end the sermon because it was so timely. She says this, this artist is being, you know, just given all kinds of, of praise and exposure to her, her uh, you know, uh, sales and everything is going through the roof. And it made me so sad watching this video because in the video, you see a lot of pastors who don't know their Bible. And so they are compromising and they're telling grace in their church, we accept you as a homosexual Christian. You know, that this is a thing. But here's the thing. When you know the Bible, you know that just like the temptation towards homosexuality, that's a temptation that you nail to the cross. Just like every other sin. So I'm not invalidating that. There's people, by the way, when you struggle with that, my heart goes out to you. And for for people or for pastors who uh, make fun of you, I've seen that. I was at an event two years ago. broke my heart. The pastor took the stage. It had nothing to do with that. And he started making jokes and getting people to laugh about people who are confused about their sexuality. It's not funny. Have you ever asked someone? Have you ever sat down and listened to someone who struggles? It's a big deal. And the Christian community has to quit writing them off, laughing and say, why don't you listen to them? Why don't you do what Jesus would do and befriend them? So we're going to love them. We're going to love you. If that's you, we love you. We receive you. We befriend you. Our relationship, our friendship doesn't change, but I am going to encourage you to take those temptations and give them to Jesus, just like I have to take my temptations and give them to Jesus. There's not a coincidence that the gay movement is called pride. It's not a coincidence. Because in pride, we say to God, you did it wrong. No. In humility, we say to God, God, you don't do anything wrong. In humility, we come to God and we say, God, I lay down my gay pride. If that's you, if, you, if you're saying that's me, you have to come to God and say, God, I lay down those temptations. Even though I feel that way, because if that's how you say, yeah, this is how I feel. This is a real, temp- this is a real thing for me. I want to invite you to surrender that to Jesus and realize he died for your sins. He died for your sins. He loved you so much. He gave his life on the cross for you. Yes, he welcomes you, just like Rock of Grace welcomes you exactly as you are, but we love you enough not to leave you where you are. We love you enough to say there is a healthy, God-given marriage that you are designed to walk into. There is a healthy, holy sexuality that that is man and woman. And men and women are different. Gender is not fluid. It is not fluid. It doesn't matter what society, it doesn't matter what, Hollywood is telling you, and some, and some of you dads and granddads, this is for you to communicate to your kids, right? To your grandkids and your kids. Teach them that they are wonderfully made. Teach them that, that God says in Psalm 139, they are wonderfully made. Amen? And God has something amazing for them, and Satan wants to steal it. A couple more points, then I'll let you go. Why don't you stand up to your feet? As we close, I want to tell you the question the world is asking on this subject of homosexuality or sexuality, they often say, well, why, why do you hate the homosexual? Let me first say, we Christians do not hate the homosexual. We don't hate a drug addict. We don't hate a homosexual. We don't hate anybody. We all have sinned that we have to give to God. That is the whole message of grace, that he loves us enough to take us as we are and then change us into the person we can be. 
And so he gives us an opportunity. He gives us truth by his word, right? Another thing that they'll say uh, is this whole idea of combining uh, racism with that. It's totally different things. Two totally different things. Of course, the Christian is against being racist, obviously. Because the Christian believes that we are created by God. And there is a beauty in diversity. But watch what the devil does. Listen, I saw this on this video last night. girl being interviewed says, I just think it's so beautiful how God made all the different races and all the different sexual identities. And it's just such a tapestry. No, you just twisted truth. You just twisted truth. There is a beauty in all the races. There's a beauty in all the languages right? Under the sun. It's beautiful, right? But that is not the same as someone saying their sexual identity. When you are born a man, you're born a man. When you're born a woman, you're born a woman. And you are designed for a relationship with the opposite sex. But first and foremost, you're designed for a relationship with God. So that's why I'm saying God at the center. You don't get, you don't get that right. Nothing else works. God at the center. God at the center. Okay? If you forget everything else we said today, keep God at the center. If you say, I don't know what to tell, I don't know what to tell my kids. Listen, scripture is full of great advice. We have a lot of great books. I just ordered more books. You can go up into our little uh, book area and grab a book. They're free. You just take them. And they're, take any book up there. You say, I, look, I don't know what to say. Take one of these books. Right? It's not going to give you everything, but it is going to give you some wisdom. It's going to give you some nuggets of wisdom. But most importantly, guys, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say to my niece or to my nephew? Because words fall short. I don't know what to say. And you watch. God is going to give you the perfect verse and the perfect story to illustrate. Amen? I want you to bow your heads this morning. Father, I thank you for your word that is so clear. That is so clear in Genesis, that you made a man and woman. And God, that man and woman come together, the two shall become one flesh. And in that, God, we see the beauty of God because there are characteristics of God that are only in a woman. There are characteristics of God that are strongly in a man. But together, we see all the goodness of God. We see how strong you are and we see how gentle you are. God, we see that you are protector and you're also compassionate. God, we see, uh, again, God, that you are wise, that you are patient. All these characteristics, God, that we might say, I appreciate this about my spouse. Why? God did that. God deserves all the glory. God created male and female. And he loves you exactly how you are. And if you're listening online today and you're listening in the room and you say, Pastor Jordan, I've, I've always hid that. I've always hid that same-sex desire. Listen, I want to tell you, I know that's a real thing. I've talked to enough people to know that's a real thing. We do not negate that. We do not negate that. But we do want to encourage you to say, Jesus, would you help me in this area? Because guess what? Everybody in the room has come to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you help me with this? We all face different sin, different temptation. And we've got to bring it to God. And at the core of what you need is honesty. You just got to be honest with God and say, God, this is me. This is what I deal with. 
Because listen, sir, ma'am, if you're not honest with God, you, you can't progress any further. You got to be, it all starts with honesty. God, this is what I face. This is how I feel. And be real with him. And I'm going to tell you something. He's not going to push you away. Because what broke my heart on that video was hearing this young girl, this young music artist named Grace, and she kept saying, well, yeah, I was pushed away, and I was told shame. In fact, her friend was told that, I won't even say what she was told. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that in the name of Christianity have pushed you away. We're not pushing you away. You know what we have? We have open arms. Just like Father God has open arms, and we say we love you. We love you. And we want you to know the Father's love. We want you to know the Father's love. He loves you. Young man, young woman, he loves you more than I could ever express. And if you will let his love fill your heart, your search for sexual identity will end. I want to say that again. If you will let his love fill your heart and you say, that is my identity. Stop trying to find your identity in a sexual exploration. You need to understand your identity comes from Father God, your creator. You are fully known. You are fully loved. There's nothing that could ever make God love you less. He loves everything about you. And he just wants you in his house. He wants you living in his home. He wants you in his family. And for those that are in, a, in marriage, I want to encourage you this morning. I can all but guarantee there was something on that screen today that challenged you. I can all but guarantee that there was one of those verses, right, in the gentleness and the compassion, that one of those the Holy Spirit said, hey, that's the one for you. Why don't you right now just bow your heads and say, God, just between you and God, say, God, that, that one was for me. That gentleness, Lord, I, I don't have that. I yell at my spouse. I, I have a temper. I do this and do that. And just be honest with God. lacking in kindness, right? We said kindness is to serve. If you're always expecting your spouse to serve you, I'm, sir, you got it wrong. You got it all wrong. The Bible says how relationships work. And sir, you may say, I'm the head of the home. Well, let me tell you what that means. You're the servant of all. You're the servant of all. So God, we come to before you as a church, Lord, all together. And God, we just say that we need wisdom. Can we all just acknowledge that, that we need help, Lord? We need wisdom. Lord, sometimes we're, we have couples here that come to church and they, they lift their hands and, and yet then they get in the car and then they fight for an hour. Why, Lord? Would you teach us to be real, to admit our own faults, to stop pointing fingers and say, God, change me. God, I'm going to stop asking you to change my spouse, and I'm going to say, God, change me. 
Make me the person you want me to be. Make me Christ-like. If that's your prayer right now, with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need to be more Christ-like in my marriage. God, we all want to tell you this morning we need help in this area. We know, we know that Satan wants to steal our marriage. Satan wants to convince us the grass is greener on the other side. But God, the truth is we have an incredible gift, an incredible gift right in front of us. Help us to see. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen.